Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. What's happening, everybody? It is once again, Eric J. Olson here for the Managing Partners Podcast. If you're not familiar with our podcast, we record these live on social media, just like we are right now. And we interview America's top managing partners and top law firms. And we want to find out what every managing partner wants to find out, which is how to fill your case pipeline. And today we have a special guest who is going to tell us exactly how he did it. What's happening, Ed? Uh, it's good to see you all. Good to see the audience. If anybody's tuning in, welcome. Hello. You should be awesome. tuning in. You came to the right place. That's right. This should be an exciting one. I, I'm already having, I, I had fun with Ed uh, before we actually clicked go live. So, hey, Ed, let, let, let me tell the audience a little bit about you and then. Um, sure, and then but you make it sound really good. Uh, okay, ready? Here we go. People would be like, oh my God, how did they get this guy? All right, let's let's see if I can live up to the the hype already. Yeah, As a right. managing partner with Brown and Crouppen, am I saying that correctly? You are. Ed Herman fights for what is right on behalf of clients and works hard to educate the public on their legal rights. He became a lawyer to pursue justice for everyday people. And today he is proud to spend his career leveling the playing field against big insurance and drug companies. Ed is also a regular presence on BCTV, where he's a creator and host of the series Ed Versus and Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches, as well as the voice of the Bad Idea Bandit on Terry's Safety Squad. Today, Ed, welcome to the Managing Partners Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. My God, it sounds like I've done a lot. You have. That's that's just like three paragraphs out of 100 that I could find. So Yeah, you know. Some of that stuff maybe is a little exaggerated, but a lot of that stuff you said is quite accurate. <laughs> so, well, I, I definitely want to get into that last part, and we'll get into that in a little bit. The BCTV, that's really interesting. But uh, if you would, would you give the audience a little bit of additional information that I didn't cover in the bio? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, look, Brown and Crouppen is a law firm. We're the biggest personal injury firm in the Midwest. Uh, we've been in business uh, 41, 42 years now. I've been with the firm the last 20 years. And uh, it's a firm that was really the first, every market has a firm that was sort of the first to really embrace advertising. And in St. Louis, that was Brown and Crouppen. Our founders, Ron Brown and Terry Crouppen, uh, were uh, on, you know, they were visionaries. And they're still alive. I, I speak of them like they're uh, in the past. I'm not sure if they're visionary anymore. They're old. No, uh, Terry's still a visionary. Ron is a uh, in his own right. And so they started, they went to the radio and television back in the early 80s when it was first taking off. And because they were the first to market, they really uh, took off. A lot of people before then, people don't remember a time where people really had no idea what their rights were. They didn't know that you could hire a lawyer without paying money out of your own pocket, certainly for injury cases and work comp cases, which are two of our main areas. As time went on, obviously we evolved as a lot of firms did to also handling pharmaceutical litigation. They just didn't know that. It's something as simple as that that we take for granted today, but the public didn't know. But then, you know, we grew. Times changed. Uh, back then, uh, they had a handful of lawyers and staff. Now we're we're over 250 people. We have offices in St. Louis and Kansas City. We represent, you know, injured people primarily in those two cities and the outlying areas. But for pharmaceutical cases, we take those nationwide. Just like the business has evolved, the marketing has evolved. You know, you can't just run ads on TV anymore and expect to, to get a lot of business from it. There's a combination of two 
much competition on television, and at the same time, viewership has gone down tremendously as people's attention has been split in a million directions, and of course, the internet basically taking everything over. So that's where I come in. You know, I, I am a practicing lawyer, but I've spent most of my time the last two decades helping us transition our marketing away from television onto other platforms, particularly digital. And we're also just sort of managing to make sure that we're doing an excellent job on our cases because there's nothing more important in your marketing than actually doing a great job. So uh, that comes first. So you mentioned a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, you know, one of the first to advertise TV in particular, I'm guessing you guys also have historically done things like billboards, newspapers, and then yeah, back, back in the day, it was yellow pages, it was newspapers, it was billboards and radio. And then all of that died. The only ones that have kind of been resurrected, billboards have actually become resurrected. They yeah. had a use. Then their use went away almost completely because television became the branding instrument. But now as television has gone back down and people are all over the place, uh, billboards have had a, a resurgence in their ability to create and maintain brand awareness, as has radio. It's more people have stuck with terrestrial radio than have stuck with their local television. Yeah, I mean, I, I see the charts and I used to put the charts out all the time. And it was great as a digital marketer because my curve was going up, but, you know, Certainly TV in the last 10 years has dropped. Uh, radio, see, I'm surprised to hear you say that about radio because like the charts that I've seen, radio got pummeled when TV came out and it just continued to drop lower and lower. It but, did for but, a long time. It's, it's coming back now in that it's still one of the only areas where you can really hit a particular demographic because radio is still very demographic-based, whether it's in terms of age is the main demographic, but you can also hit urban versus rural. So you can pick your audience uh, pretty well. Unfortunately, it's an audio medium. Uh, it doesn't get to be visual, but the people that listen tend to listen to their particular station and they leave it on and there's still drive time. And most of them in the car are still listening to the radio. So it's a captive audience. And then the, the one that has surprised me is the out of home billboards in particular and, and how it, it's, it's not, it's not huge. It's not like the internet uh, when it comes to advertising, but, but it's steady two three percent every year as uh, are you still advertising with on billboards billboards heavily it's a big part of our overall uh, ad stuff because you know and, and i guess this is if i'm going to be helpful to your audience there's a big difference between what i would call the first dollars you want to spend and then the subsequent dollars that you want to spend and a lot of it will have to do with whether you have any brand re name recognition at all whether you have unbelievable brand name recognition or whether you have zero brand name recognition. The way that you would go about spending your money, very different under those three scenarios. So I don't know who most of your audience is, but I just want to preface whatever advice I give with the idea that it would be very different for those three. Yeah, yeah we, we, we have a mix. So certainly the uh, the, man, the manager partners that I've spoken to uh, interviewed, uh, you know, some, some are solo practitioners and some are international companies, literally. So uh, it runs the gamut. I would say probably most of them are in between somewhere. So what, what do you mean by the the first dollar and, and how would you maybe shift where that first dollar is spent depending well, on the size of the firm? Here's, here's what I tell people. This is whether you want to call this a funnel or you want to call it pillars or a winding road journey. Every client you have, and I don't care what business you're in, every client you have has to have five things that come true. All right, there's my five. I'm now listening. <laughs> 
Number one, I mean, at some point, they have to know who you are. That's one. They, uh, they have to know what you do. They have to have formed some type of opinion on who you are compared to your competition. So that can be whether you're more likable, more relatable, you're more competent. Anything that they do, there has to be a reason why it's you and not the other guy. Then they have to have a need arrive. If they don't need you, it doesn't matter that they know about you or that they have an opinion of you. And then they have to, you know, contact you, whether that's phone, you know, texting, email, whatever. But those five things have to occur. It doesn't matter if you're McDonald's selling Hamburg or if you're a law firm selling, you know, legal services. People have to go through those five things. And the way that you measure your success in each of those areas depends on what your goal was. You know, you don't judge billboards. Billboards are not designed to get people to need you, right? They're not designed to get people to form an opinion about you. It's just you can't do that on a billboard, uh, not effectively. Billboards are much more about maybe your name and maybe what you do for a living. So for a law firm, it may be the name of your firm, or you may decide just to brand your phone number. And it might just say, you know, been hurt, been injured, got injured, whatever. Seems simple, but that's about all you can do on a billboard. So you don't measure a billboard by how many people called you. Uh, that's not what it was designed to do. Uh, you measure a billboard by how many people were familiar with who you were before you started the campaign versus how many people are, you know, have brand name recognition and awareness of what you do after you've had your billboards up for, you know, whatever length of time you've, you've chosen to measure. And so, whereas now the other end of the spectrum, something like pay-per-click advertising, this is a, a lot of people probably do this where you're paying when people search for, for certain words, they look for auto accident lawyer, mm -hmm. all of a sudden your ad comes up first and it looks relevant and they click on it and maybe you get a case out of it. That is marketing that's just geared toward the final pillar. They really didn't need to know who you were or what you did yet. They will eventually, but they, you know, you, you tried to grab them right at the bottom of the funnel and their moment of need. Sounds very effective, but because you are grabbing them at that moment of need, that's where you're going to come across the most competition and it's going to be the most expensive form of advertising. You're trying to cut out the first four steps and just buy them up at the bottom of the of the spigot. You can do it. It may not be cost effective. So, but if you are going to do pay-per-click advertising, then it should absolutely be measured by how many cases you got out of it and nothing else. Not how many clicks you got, not how many leads you got. You got to know what you're paying because what you're doing that for is an actual. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And like you said, it can be very expensive too. It can be. So that's why, you know, when I tell people, you know, what are you going to spend your first dollars on has a lot to do with their ultimate goal. How much money do you have to spend and what kind of practice are you looking to build? If you tell me, I'm just looking to build a sole practitionership, there's no reason why a sole practitioner has to have brand awareness in their entire community. Not necessary. You don't need a whole community to support a legal practice of one lawyer. If I was going to be supporting a practice of one lawyer, I would put my money into things that were very specific to getting cases and very, very localized in trying to build up a, a, a network to keep you busy in your practice. If you tell me you're looking to build a 50 lawyer law firm that makes money on big cases, but also on volume, totally different strategy, totally different beast. Awesome advice. I completely agree with you. You know, when, when it comes to things like billboards. I have heard other managing partners talk about uh, attention getting, literally uh, pictures of people getting shot out of cannons, right? Just something to get someone's attention. And that's about it. Like you said, that's that's the job that it yeah, is. Yeah, and I don't really recommend that approach to billboards. I'll be honest with you. Here's the problem with that approach. 
that's expensive. You want a billboard that extends beyond the regular dimensions of the board to, to be a real grabber for attention. You know, you could do it, but you're sacrificing volume because you may only be able to do that in one highly visible location. Mm. And, and what I would suggest to most people is you are better off. You know, billboards are all about repetition and eyeballs. That's what you're buying. You want eyeballs amongst the demographic of people that might actually call you. And, you know, you're not looking to impress anybody with histrionics. Truthfully, the most effective billboards that I have seen are the ones that are blanketed uh, effectively in the right neighborhoods. Too many people out there are judging a good neighborhood by the neighborhoods they drive through. Man, I didn't see our billboard at all. Well, are you within the clientele you're trying to hit? You're not? Good. You shouldn't see your billboard. You should be picking neighborhoods, boards filled with people that are targeted for exactly your type of business. And then you should be hitting them uh, at the most cost-effective rate that you can. You don't have to have the sexiest locations. You have It's like anything else. You've got to gather up a bunch of the right eyeballs with the right frequency. And all you really need to do is communicate one or two thoughts. This is my name. This is what I do. Or this is that's my it. phone number. This is what I do. And that's it. Yeah. I would much rather have a person pass our board 10 times and know off the top of our head that our number is all twos. Then have people, what people are going to be, what, buzzing about your billboard? Nobody's buzzing about your billboard. It's a billboard. Keep it cost-effective, rotating, blanketing amongst your demo. That's the point of the billboard. Yep. Build brand awareness. Exactly. In the digital world, something that's very similar to billboards are display ads. When you go to a random website, up pops an ad. And those can be controlled with lots of different levers that you can pull different demographics, retargeting. How do you feel about those on the internet? Uh, listen, you know, anytime the people can see your name, it's helpful. It's harder on the internet when it comes to just a display ad because Unlike a bill, when you look at a billboard, that's really the only ad you're seeing at that moment. It's not surrounded by a million other ads. Yeah, it's surrounded by the highway and the road, but you've driven that route a million times and you're basically an autopilot. So maybe you'll see the billboard. Display ads are a little bit tougher because there'll be a lot of them on the screen. They don't take up as much room. They're, you know, they're just there. So while they're important, you got to be careful with your budget. The only thing really nice about display ads is that it allows people to take immediate action. They can actually click on the ad if it speaks to them and immediately start going down a journey with your law firm. They get more information. They can fill out a form. They can click the call. So it's more than just a, a billboard. It's more than just a display. It's a, it is in and of itself a way to convert. Yep. Love it. So, you know, in, in the intro for you, I, I told the audience about BCTV and Ed versus the show and the series, and then three lawyers eating sandwiches. Can yeah. you give us yeah. a little bit of insight I'll into, into right that? There. I'm wearing one of our three lawyers eating sandwiches uh, t-shirt as we speak. <laughs> That's right, me. So first, two of my partners. I, I got to find out. How did that come about? I'm well, guessing it was, you're at a restaurant. You're like, we should turn this into a show. No, I, it's, it, it's a little bit, a little, I'd like to say it's a little bit more strategic than that. It all has to start, and this is what everybody needs to listen to, with a few basic truths, not opinions and not preferences, but a few basic truths. Number one, fewer people are watching television today than watched it in the 1970s, 1980s. It's a fact. And when they are watching television, we all know that the options that they have are more plentiful than we could have ever imagined when we were growing up as kids. I grew up, there were three major stations, and then you had maybe one or two extras that showed reruns. Now there's hundreds. On top of that, you have streaming, and a lot of people watch on services that don't even have commercials on them. 
this is not going away anytime soon. The numbers on television are going to continue to drop. That is a truth that needs to be accepted. It doesn't mean television is not viable today. doesn't mean it still won't be viable for the next 10 years. It just means that it's only heading in one direction. Now, that's a fact. Fact number two, all of those eyeballs have moved over to the internet. Everybody is on the internet every day, all day. And the personal computer, I'm not you know, I'm like the last guy to say this, but I'll say it. This is what a personal computer looks like. Fits in your pocket. It's a smartphone. It's where people do almost all of their viewing, where they do almost all of their searching. Nobody is sitting down at a desktop anymore to go do their research. Maybe a student might be for a large project, but it's certainly not where you're going to be picking a plumber, picking a restaurant, or picking a lawyer. Uh, it's going to be right on this device here. So the idea behind BCTV was recognizing we need need to find people where the people are already going. You know, you don't have to go looking for the people. If you know where they're already going, go there. Yep. But if you're going to go to the internet, you cannot force feed content on the internet. The internet is the most on-demand environment that human beings have been able to create. You can go anywhere you want at any given time. And through most ads, you can skip them, you can scroll past them, you can swipe past people who don't look right to you on websites. That's it. People generally, if you go statistically, if you've read some books on sales, you'll know that people, um, you have about four or five seconds to convince people that maybe you're a person that knows what they're talking about. Maybe they have some value listening to you, if right? That. If that. Well, the, the, the mind will start making that decision within less than a second. It will begin Absolutely. that process. Judgments form quickly. And so we realized that if we were going to speak to people on the internet, it had to be on their terms. Why are people on the internet? They want to be entertained. They want to laugh. They want to learn. They want an answer to their question. I mean, there are very specific reasons why people are on the internet, but by and large, they want to be entertained. I mean, we are an entertainment-based culture. So what we realized was if we were going to build up any kind of a following on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, on my personal fan page, that we were going to have to get them in the door with something that they chose, something that really entertained them. And then once we had them and they were loyal viewers, we could serve them you know, more than just entertainment. We could serve them information about our firm or information about the law, things that might actually help them in a more serious situation down the road. So we got together with a production company and we started coming up with what are people watching on the internet? People love food shows. We know this. There are entire networks based on food shows. People love watching people eat. They love people. They love learning about restaurants that they may want to visit. They love looking at food. They love hearing people comment on food. There are entire channels of people just taking pictures of food and everybody follows them because, yep. man, that hamburger looked good. So three lawyers eating sandwiches came from the realization that we had eaten lunch together a lot of times that anybody who's ever joined us for lunch was always like, you know what? You guys are a lot of fun to have lunch with. You never know what you guys are going to talk about. It's like an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. And so we thought, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to showcase local restaurants who have really good food, particularly sandwiches. We like sandwiches because it's accessible to everybody. We want to cast a wide net. We don't want to go around to a bunch of fruity restaurants that a handful of people can afford to go to. We want to enjoy the simple things in life and everybody can enjoy a sandwich. Everybody can go to any one of these 
places and we can all have the same experience. So that's how that series was born. That took off. Edverses was really my platform to talk about things that I felt were perhaps funny and relatable, common human experiences. Early on with some of my early episodes, I happened to tap into a few subject matters that I had no idea had the kind of following that they did. And the series just took off. I mean, we're, we're sitting on 61 million views between YouTube and Facebook. Uh, in the mid, mid-America region, you know, they do Emmy Awards, primetime Emmys, daytime Emmys, and then they do them based on your region. You probably have heard in your market about the Emmy-winning weather team at so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, our stuff has been recognized in our region. I, I've won five Emmy Awards already which is crazy. Got them all sitting over there. And I'm like, who would have ever thought when I went to law school that I'd be pulling in Emmys? But people really like the content. And it's led to people, the the, the big question everybody always wants to know, Eric, is, is, but does it help your business? Are you getting more cases? Well, I can tell you this. Another fact, my profile on Super Lawyers is the most viewed profile in the entire state of Missouri. And it, it is, it continues to be the most viewed every single month. Why? I promise you, it's not from anything I'm doing in the courtroom. None of these lawyers would know me from Adam when it comes to the court. Not to say that I can't do it, but it's not like I'm making the newspaper every week with some huge result. It's the public that's looking me up because they're intrigued to learn more about me after they've seen the videos. What does that tell you? Yeah, something's happening, right? So you know that you're putting out this content and it's getting a lot of eyeballs. And at the same time, on your professional side, something's happening. Can you prove it? Is your attribution indisputable? Maybe not. But something's happening between the two. They're going hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. And I, I would suggest that I think I think we could prove it. I think enough people contact me directly through my Facebook page with specific legal questions and cases that they want me to handle to be able to say, this is how they got to me. We get a lot of comments on the videos. You know, people are vicious on the internet. Yeah. I mean, you'll put up an article about a tragedy and 80% of the comments are like blaming the victim. I mean, that's the kind of world we're living in. So when we first started doing these, I fully expected the haters to come out in abundance, but they haven't. 99% of the comments that we get on these things are positive. And if you look through the comments, so many of them are, this is the only law firm I would ever consider hiring, or I never thought these guys were so down to earth or whatever. But if I were to hire a law firm, these are definitely the people I would hire. You get that a couple of times, you say it's anecdotal evidence. You start getting hundreds of those comments. That's a focus group. That's not just anecdotal anymore. That's fantastic. I'll give you one last thing to to add to that, just because I'm a talker. I apologize. I promise I'll I'll listen to questions and answer them. The national trial lawyers, they every year they hold these things called the Golden Gavel Award. And it's in a variety of advertising categories. And two years in a row, my videos have won for the best digital content for a lawyer in the nation. I asked them, I said, how do they decide? I mean, you know, is it just like a bunch of lawyers sitting around a room saying, yeah, that was funny. They said, oh, no, no, we get a focus group of average ordinary Americans. We have them watch all of these submitted videos and they only have to answer one question, which is, you know, how likely would you be to hire this lawyer based on what you just saw? And it's consistently now, I've won it every year that they've done these, and it's always these videos, and it's only based on the one question. They're seeing it against everybody else's digital content. Mine makes them more motivated to hire me than other people's does them, period. Do you feel like what like the content that you're producing is easy for you? It's natural, or is it almost like you're stepping into a role? For me, it's easy. Because it is very natural. Now, a lot of people have looked at it and said, well, sure, Ed, you've got, you know, you know, you, you're built for this. And I tell people, I honestly believe everyone is built for it. 
It may not be the same show. It's not going to have the same energy or the same vibe or the same content. But my advice to firms is all people, and we've focus grouped a million things over the years. Hmm. And consistently, what people are looking for is genuine and enthusiasm. It has to be real. They don't like BS. They don't like most testimonials because they assume most testimonials are BS. You know, every so often you get somebody who's really genuine and those work beautifully. But the the ones that are not, uh, people really think that they can sniff through that. They, they generally are skeptical. Even if you say this is an unpaid testimonial, they think the person probably still got some. They're just a very skeptical people. What people love is something that's genuine. They want to feel like they're getting a glimpse of who this person really is, not a bunch of BS. And they want the enthusiasm because enthusiasm is contagious. It, it hits all the right notes. It's about confidence and competence. People will see me in this video and I believe people will respond to the things I'm saying because I'm speaking my truth. I'm being generous with my truth because I spent a lot of time learning this stuff. And if it can help other people grow their businesses, I say that's fantastic. There's plenty of business out there for everybody. Right. And I feel like the more people who get justice, the better. They all deserve justice. And if you can get that for them, then you're my hero. This has been great. Frankly, this has been a masterclass in marketing. You are the perfect person to come on this podcast. So there's a really lot of takeaways here. I really appreciate you sharing all this information. If someone would like to reach out and contact you, what's a good way to do that? I would suggest if you want to see our legal website, getbc.com. That is our, you know, our professional firm website. If you want to get a taste of the kind of video that have been drawing all the attention to our firm, go to bctv.com. We set it up almost like Netflix. So you can go on to Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches and binge watch. That We've done about 18 episodes of that. You can go on to Ed Versus and binge watch. I know I've done 18 episodes of that show. And uh, if you were going to be a first timer, the episodes I'd recommend, Ed Versus Airplanes uh, was an Emmy Award winner and probably my favorite one to do. Ed Versus Elevators, because people always think, what is it? What is the video about? about elevators. And then they watch it and they're like, ah. And then my, my current one, which is my current favorite, Ed versus Bathrooms, which is both my most personal but also most relatable video. And we, we went a little bit more production on this one. I hired an animator because I felt there were certain things that I could show through animation that I couldn't show in good taste in real life. But uh, yeah, those are the ones I start with. And on Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches, any place that looks good, they're all fun episodes. That's awesome. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate it. Ed, that was, that was really enlightening. For you that are uh, watching or listening, we have other amazing episodes. This was one of the best for sure, but you can go to arraylaw.com slash podcast. We have a whole library there. Uh, not quite Netflix style like BCTV. We're going to be working on that though. That's a good idea. I want to do exactly that. And if you are looking to spice up your digital marketing for your law firm, and you're not quite ready to hire a production firm like Ed has, reach out to us at arraylaw.com and we can talk to you about websites, SEO, social media and online advertising. All right, Ed, thanks so much. Thank you.